welcome to Development Heaven, the L.A. noir of podcasts. Now with new facial expressions never before seen in podcast form. Those classic PlayStation faces, they'll get you, Vincent. I am your red herring, Vincent Marnelli. And I am your Scooby Snack, Glenn Cagle. <laughs> oh no, you aren't talking about Scooby-Doo, are you? No, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> are you? I am, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you scared me for a second. You, you're the one who said to me that it would be fun if we did a, uh, if we both picked the same topic one time. That's true. That's true. Uh, just not, not, not this soon. <laughs> I'm not ready for it. Yeah. It's a design podcast where the two of us talk about development hell and all the changes your favorite pieces of media go through. This week, it's mystery theme, Glenn. Uh, but first, as always, time to decide who goes first. Yeah. <laughs> Who's going first? Um. I don't know. Let's. It's a mystery, Vincent. <laughs> oh, I walked into that. Did you ever play um, that game, uh, uh, Mastermind? No. Okay. Is it like Clue? No, it's not like Clue. Okay. Um, we could have done. Is there a way we could have done like a Clue thing? Listen, Glenn. Here's so. the thing. Here's so I'm. Mystery isn't really my genre, and I think I can attribute that to the fact that I never have even ever played Clue. Really. I think I think you know everybody what? that plays Clue as a kid gets mystery, and I don't because I never played Clue. That's uh, I had no clue, Vincent. Hey, nice, nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I almost did Clue as my topic for this, this mm. Fortnite, but um, alas, I did not. Uh, I'll save it for later though, because it's actually had an interesting development cycle, way back when it was made. Anyway, we haven't done a board game yet, yeah. Not in. Uh, not in the published episodes, no. Right, 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 right. All right. So the way the game Mastermind works is I'm going to normally you would play this with like uh multiple different options, like multiple different colors, but I'm just going to use a set of playing cards. So you only have four options: the four suits, diamonds, uh, clubs, spades, and hearts. Okay. I'm going to uh, pick four cards and I'm going to lay them out in front of me, and then I uh, you're going to guess. I'm going to give you three guesses. Mm-hmm. All right. So you're going to just, uh, any any arrangement, so you could say heart, heart, diamond, heart, or something like that, and I would say, uh, I would tell you, each one that you got right, I would just straight up tell you, you got that, that position right. Mm. Each one that you, each thing that you said correctly that was not in the right spot, I'll let you know about that too. And if you can get it in three guesses, you go first. If you cannot, I'll go first. This isn't random, by the way. <laughs> no. Normally, normally this bit is random, but uh, there are only so many ways you can do randomness over audio yeah it's fine we're branching out we're branching out all right let's see let's hear your first guess diamond 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 all right none of those are right (laughs) okay that's fine no that's okay um heart heart spade spade um the only one that is correct is the third position so that for that first spade is correct club club spade club hey you got it really yeah. Oh, cool. That was <laughs> Well like yeah, I mean there's only with only four options and three guesses, it's like <laughs> Listen, Glenn, better 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 luck next time, alright? Yeah. Better better guess next time. Alright, Glenn, this week it's Scooby Doo two thousand two. I guess I was on kind of like a Hanna Barbera kick, right? Because I did okay. Flintstones last week. But yeah. this week I'm not doing the cartoon. I didn't even bother looking into if the cartoon had interesting development. I'm sure like all 
Hanna-Barbera cartoons. It was just, we get a couple of characters and a talking animal. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then that's, and then it made way t- like a lot of money. Yeah. That was cynical. I like Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo's fun, yeah. Yeah. You know, calling it like Scooby-Doo 2002 is a little redundant if you watch the movie because... Scooby-Dooby-Dooby-2002-B? <laughs> How's that? That's good. Uh, put a beat over that. Wait, that's my job. I'm not going to put a beat over that. All the right. movie is so 2002, man. It's like uh, I don't yeah. even need to. I don't even need to list. You know, I'm. Is this the one that has like Scrappy Doo? Like, and he looks really bad. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, it's none of the CGI is there, but you you kind of like you slide into it. You know, you get used to it eventually. Yeah, that's true. Of this weird, but you know, it's like one of those. We we aren't corridor digital. We can't like we aren't CGI professionals. But you you know the color is just wrong, the lighting is bad. The and lighting, that's, yeah. yeah. Uh, All right. For this movie specifically, the development of it started in the '90s. So not not a huge period. Obviously, people want to make a movie out of Scooby Doo because it's so profitable. Mm-hmm. And you know it's around the same time that all those like directed VHS movies were coming out, like. Uh, like Cyber Chase or um, yeah, Zombie yeah. Island or whatever. Those ones were my favorite, I think, mm-hmm. when I was little. Yeah, big fan, big fan. Yeah, Zombie Island scared me. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. so so I have... There, there are a couple of things we know about that original 90s treatment that they were planning. And they, like I said, if the movie itself is very much a direct reflection of the year 2002, this original spec script was a direct sort of facsimile of the 90s where they wanted Jim Carrey to play Shaggy. Oh, of course. Uh, uh, they wanted, and they wanted like Kevin Smith to direct or at least write it. Uh-huh. You know, so it's it's 90s across the, oh, also, um, who else was it? Oh yeah, Shaggy, Jim Carrey didn't want to be Shaggy at some point, so they also well, yeah. looked at Mike Myers. Yeah, baby. Okay, yeah. Gotta I, get him. That's, uh, yeah, okay. They didn't do any of that. Uh, the director they eventually got was a guy named Raja Gosnell. At, at the time, you know, he's, he ended up doing, like, all those Smurfs movies um, and, like, Beverly Hills Chihuahua, right? So it's movies that are, like, kids adaptations yeah, that are half live action. There are Gotta entirely too many of those, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Just make them animated or don't do them. Anyway, that's not even a hot take. That's a that's hot on cold. That's... Uh... Yeah, that's almost cold on cold because we've talked about how much we prefer animation. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> uh, at the time, the guy would have been known for Home Alone three, so I have to assume that's why they attached him on board. But the interesting thing I feel about the treatment that was done for the two thousand two movie is that the script was written by James Gunn of oh. uh, of of Guardians of the Galaxy fame. Right. Not yet he, at that point, though. No, but I think at the time he had done mostly like schlocky little horror movies mm. like like indie stuff so it, it, i can definitely see the connection why they would put him on board it kind of seems like a good fit he's uh, also yeah. really good at writing like movies with a like a washed out group of misfits you know <laughs> you like grow to thing. like love each other as a family it's totally his thing huh. the script that he had originally written was supposed to be like a pg-13 aimed at adults and teens movie uh, it had a darker, Extra more satirical dirty. tone. Yeah. yeah, I think I saw it compared to the like the Brady Bunch movie, where it's obviously an adaptation of like a older, like '60s popular thing, but 
then mm. it's made fun of sort of it's like self-aware in the in the reboot remake. oh i see okay because when you um, said like when you said it was like more adult than the original source material i was about to say like oh like archie like the archie uh riverdale whole thing Ugh. but not quite well no. I, there is sort of because they take it more seriously in the show right yeah i think um it's not a bad comparison but not for the original script so much as i think what we ended up with is a little closer to where they took to, it too seriously yeah it's it they take it a little bit seriously in the in the in the cut that we end up with the reason that this like darker scooby-doo was changed was that like the early test screenings it might not have even been the test screenings, but the studio was like, no, Warner Brothers just said, I want, you know, we want a family movie. Kids love Scooby-Doo. So get rid of all of your interesting bits and give us more, um, you know, cringe. cringe. Uh, what was the guy? Sugar Ray. Put more Sugar Ray in the movie. Who is it? Wait, what? <laughs> Sugar Ray was like a... Um, well, I know who he is. I didn't know he was in the movie. Oh, he's totally in the movie. As, like, you know, echoes of the 90s. He does, like, an MTV-style music video, <laughs> like, halfway through the, the movie. And, like, Freddie Prince Jr. is there dancing That's in hilarious. a tank top. Yeah. Apparently, okay, this is uh, part... This is... I can actually link this back to Development Heaven. They originally wanted that to be Weezer. <laughs> <laughs> they were going to halt the like halt the progress of the movie to a dead stop to do a full Weezer segment. That's um, <laughs> I'd be uh, down. That's all yeah. I have to say about that. Shame, shame they didn't. Shame they didn't. But thank God Sugar Ray's there though. Yeah, he kind of saved it. If we're being honest, <laughs> that guy's a national treasure. He does like you know those um, what are they? The cameos. Oh yeah, where you can yeah. like pay them five bucks to say any line. Mm -hmm. He's he recently did a. Like a whole, I think it was Sugar Ray, where he like does his whole niche in cameo is breaking up with people's boyfriends or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I've seen that one. I've also seen uh, You're Fired by Sugar Ray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a video, like an old video that like halted his, um, that, like kind of interrupted his career for a while where somebody like, while well, he was, it was like paparazzi or whatever flocking him where he's like trying to get to his car or whatever. And somebody called him Sugar Gay. And he like yeah, punched the dude. He, like flips out. <laughs> yeah. And it only helped his career. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's enough about Sugar Ray, please. No, enough is never enough. No, no. I've had it. I've had my limit. I've had my you're daily dope. intake of Sugar Ray. <laughs> Any more, and you'll go, and your and your pancreas will uh, cease to produce insulin. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Uh, but besides the Sugar Ray, besides the Weezer bit, uh, there were a handful of other changes that were made during development to make the movie more family-friendly. So that is what this episode, for me, my segment will be mostly about. Uh, first and foremost among those, Shaggy, uh, they had to edit out like a lot of weed jokes. Yeah. There were like so many, so many cool weed jokes where Shaggy's like smoking a blunt or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, man, <laughs> yeah, I, so they ended up like, like all but two were maybe cut out. Um, cause there, they had to do the, some, there's the joke where like, they're like the first time it ever shows them, it opens uh -huh. with a, with a shot outside their, uh, the mystery machine. And there's like, smoke and the coming smoke's out. coming out yeah. the top. Yeah. And it <laughs> but they're in. burning some pancakes. Yeah. 
I think That's the only true. other one, he has like a love interest named Mary Jane. Ah, there you go. And he That'll goes, like, that's my favorite name. <laughs> cool. <laughs> like, Scoob. Like. Um, so Shaggy was a stoner. That got cut. Velma was gay. So that's interesting. Yeah, I heard about that recently. Uh, in the original cut, I think James Gunn only recently talked about it, but um, yeah. the original script had like Velma have a female love interest, you know. And it was a whole subplot. Uh, eventually, so what he says is the studio, like each revision, they would alter it slightly and like sanitize it. So it's like, oh, it's ambiguous. And then eventually all scenes with that subplot were just completely edited out. Mm-hmm. Um, completely cut. Even to the point that like in the sequel, they give her a boyfriend. So. Oof. Wait, yeah. they, who's not Shaggy? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's so weird. I was going to, because I was going to comment on the fact that like if they did make Velma gay, they'd have to cut out the whole like thing between her and shaggy but is they that, did that, that anyway and then yeah. that's then not in the first movie that is well, it i don't know if it's in the first movie but it's in the show right in that mystery incorporated the newer one that that's know. all that's another thing i was going to talk about there was like a 2007 scooby-doo series called mystery incorporated so so they didn't come that that wasn't a thing until later no um i thought it was like the sexual tension between uh <laughs> The uh, Daphne, or the, like like Daphne and Fred, it, it was like paralleled, I guess. Right, I they know. were. I, there's the expectations. Yin and the yang of there's, the Scooby Doo of the right. Mystery Incorporated team. Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good analogy, Vincent. Yeah. Um, Listen, Glenn, the original cut had too much cleavage. Um, does not compute. And that no. wasn't even like it wasn't the the MPAA like censoring it. So uh-huh. much as it was just the studio, like Warner Brothers, took a good hard look at the um, that first draft and was like, "Yeah, that's not going to fly." So they mean it's not going to fly. Like they were like, parents aren't going to like this, or I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So obviously, the only thing they could think to do was employ that George Lucas strategy and use like early CGI to put digital clothes over. Just. Let's just slap it onto the ladies. You and know, George Lucas is really a is really a pioneer in that way. <laughs> <laughs> some some have compared him. Yes, <laughs> it could be said. Actually, though, speaking of the MPAA, uh, the original cut was so. Like I said, it was supposed to be a PG thirteen movie that was then edited to a PG movie. So they were targeting it toward teenagers when they put that cleavage in there. Yes, exactly. So uh, they wanted, uh... Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> um let's just suffice it to say that makes sense uh but in that same vein <laughs> that computes come on <laughs> um uh, the original one was labeled as r like they slapped an the what? mpa slapped an r rating on it For apparently it's because movies? no there was a singular joke in the movie that we don't know what the joke was um James Gunn hasn't said, and he probably won't, but it was so raunchy. What could it possibly uh, be? And so vulgar that it needed to it needed to be rated R. And apparently Gunn said it was like a misinterpretation. Like it wasn't even supposed to be raunchy, but they, I think he said that they it that thought it was a blowjob joke when mm-hmm. it wasn't. And they were like, can't have that in our kids we're movie. We're going to blow this thing sky high. <laughs> when, they put the, when they light the dynamite. And they're like, oh... <laughs> Blowjob alert. Hey, blowjob alert. 
<laughs> Merch coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's, like, I was thinking, you like, know. Because uh, PG-13 still gets one, one F word. Yes. So it's, it wasn't. But it no like blowjob jokes. Language. Nah. It was. It was. It was the sexual. The just the innuendo. strong sexual innuendos, the, the, the musk, the, the, the sexual situations, the, the musk coming off of that scene was too much. It was like the cats movie where they edited out all the buttholes. Did they really? I'm sure. <laughs> Why were there buttholes there in the first place? It's a good question. Um, they put the buttholes on, and then they had to delete <laughs> that entire layer. Uh, so same thing. Scooby had a massive schlong. They <laughs> just had to. That's a lie. Snip. I'm lying. I will not be spreading false information. I hope that's the one thing you don't take from this episode is that Scooby originally had a massive, just a big fat peen. Scooby may not had a, have had a big fat peen, but Velma and Daphne both had large breasts. And you know what was interesting is Bazinga. that the, 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 the CGI on his dick was really good. Like they clearly spent a lot of time getting the lighting right that they didn't even Wait, bother so on the real. rest of the model. Bit, no, no, I'm totally really kidding. Long and bad bit. It is bad. I'm I'm totally joking. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> it got so long and bad. <laughs> like Scooby's dick, except just kidding. It was really good. They put somebody on it, and I guess he just worked overtime because he really, he really just did it. So that's it for censorship, I think. Uh, that was that was the main stuff that was cut for, you know, sex reasons. Not I shouldn't say. No sex reasons. You had it right. Sex reasons. You know. Sex reasons. Sex reasons. reasons um, cool job reasons. Cool stoner. Just like smoking that Kush, just blowing fat clouds. You know, because that's that was in that the original could. cut. Fat, Shaggy took a fat rip off a bong. You know, and he and he was like. Like, and he was like, hey, Scoob. Man. <laughs> uh, but besides that, there are other things that were changed in the movie uh, that had nothing to do with that. It was just like stuff for time or for varying reasons. So somebody above me just like fell. <laughs> it was like really loud. I hope they're okay. Yeah, me too. There is an alternate opening uh, for the movie that you could find all on YouTube and it's animated. So it looks like classic Scooby-Doo, but it's like really well done. Um, and I, I believe it was just cut for time, but it like made a really good opening. I think like way better than the one they went with. Hmm. So, uh, you know, not for censorship for so the much same as... story. Like the, the plot would have been the same. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You know what it did? It was, um, the movie opens with one of those, like it does, uh, uh, the, the names appear on the screen, like the cast and producers and director or whatever, but it does it in like Scooby Uzi green font, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And then it goes into that factory and it starts that whole beginning with like the, the Luna ghost. I know a lot about this movie. I see, I've seen it many times. Um, but, Oh, it's the, yeah. And it, they're like on the job. Like, uh, yeah. And it's like before they'd broken up. Right. Uh, but originally it was like an animated intro and it's like a reggae. I think I remember it being like a reggae version of the Scooby-Doo theme. Okay. So maybe that's part of why it was cut is because all, most of the stoner stuff was cut, but um, it was like, it was really well animated like it clearly took a lot of time and it leads into the exact same factory opening so it was just they just did it different mm, yeah, yeah and it's a shame anybody if you want to you can look it up on youtube scooby-doo 2002 alternate intro so they were it's really open good with like an animated thing for a, a live action movie 
Yeah, but That's you know, cool. I'm into that. It's it's an animated property. Yeah, they should have uh, just made the whole movie animated. Hot take. <laughs> hot take. We can't keep doing this. Honestly, though, if they had made the movie that James Gunn wanted to make, that was about like blow adult themes. Not 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 necessarily the blowjobs and weed stuff, but like the hookers the, and blow. <laughs> no, Glenn. Like the satirical sort of like parodying the idea of Scooby Doo as like a like a teen comedy, like uh-huh. that would have been a lot more interesting than what we uh, than what we got, you know. So if that's what they had done, it would have been good. And the casting is really good, in my opinion. Um, like it's it's Haley Kiyoko Velma. No, different movie. Different movie. I don't know. That. That's it's Linda Cardinelli, Geeks uh, and Freaks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, they wrong. also like. I know her as yeah. Velma from. Scooby-Doo. From Scooby-Doo, 2002. But, like, the thing that was interesting about the casting, Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Gellar as Freddie and uh, Daphne, and actually, at the time, those two were a couple. Mm. And something interesting that I learned while I was researching, like, the casting of this movie is that the director of the film specifically was like, dude, the people, the folks that play uh, Freddie and Daphne have to be a couple. What? I don't know why he did that, because they don't, they aren't dating um in the but show. it was in the show or really in the movie but for you but know they plan to have like really hot blowjobs so it was, <laughs> come on it was probably a chemistry thing i don't know and also matthew lillard as shaggy is really good he continued to do the voice for like 20 years after the movie came out nice speaking of casting though uh here's one thing that like I, this is sort of my final thing that i thought was really interesting rowan your atkinson is the villain in the movie Wait, uh, he's really? also Mr. Bean. Mr. Bean yeah, is the villain. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's and he's the guy that's like um at the end it's revealed that he was a robot controlled by Scrappy Doo. Oh yeah. You remember yeah, this, yeah. yeah? Uh apparently in the original script it was Tim Curry, friend of the show Tim Curry was going to be the villain. Uh and Tim okay, Curry's yeah. like worked on uh Scooby Doo properties before, like he was in The Witch's Ghost as the villain. Mm-hmm. Um, that was another one of those '90s straight to he, he's like VHS. One of, he's usually plays like a like a goofy kind of villain character. He, he plays the perfect villain in everything he's ever done. Yeah, he was gonna be Mister. Uh, I don't remember the guy's name. Mister. I own a cool, edgy grunge theme park. It's called like Spooky Island. <laughs> okay, remember that? Yeah, remember it it's a really that, good. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Huh. And we were just okay with it? Yeah, you know. <laughs> hey, apparently, Vincent, you wouldn't yeah. get this, but he was the um, the villain in the 1985 Clue. Yes, that's true. More Tim Curry connections. There you go. It all came full circle. So the reason, though, that he isn't in the movie, you know, he's a, so he's a fan of Scooby-Doo. He likes the property. The reason he didn't want to do the movie is because Scrappy-Doo was in it really he said apparently he was like all signed on ready to go and then it he was like you know, oh, he I have learned... a dog inside of me no way <laughs> well uh, so this is i don't know how big a fan of scooby-doo you are this is a test uh real fans of scooby-doo absolutely hate scrappy yeah i mean that's understandable are you aware of this there's like a whole thing no, about I wasn't like aware of it but it makes sense a lot of people credit scrappy-doo for like ruining the original hanna-barbera series i didn't even know he was in it yeah, they, like, introduced him later on, and I'm sure it was, like, like the same reason you introduce any new character was, like, oh, this formula's getting a little stale, let's inject some new, some fresh blood into it. 
but people but it is people it just is quite hate formulaic. it yeah it's totally but i think it became even more noticeable with scrappy because he says the exact same things every single time you know mm, yeah their voice uh, actor only had to come into work once yeah <laughs> totally <laughs> well and then eventually the, like there was there was some pushback against him and so they went like okay it's fine we um we get it so we're going to make we like three scrappy okay, dudes it's not your thing we get it the next series totally cut out all of like fred and daphne and velma and then did like shaggy scooby and like three scrappies oh gross like they they okay, really leaned it's not into your it thing. here take three more <laughs> trust us no trust us we know what's good for you you like scrappy you just don't know it yet yeah that's um there's there's a word for that. Oh yeah? Uh this is a bad joke. Abandon ship. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> so one last thing. I am not gonna talk about Scooby Doo two, uh Monsters Unleashed, even though that's my that's my preferred of the two of them. Uh-huh. That's just, I, I watched that one more, I think. I might have had the first one on VHS and the second one on uh, DVD. Mm-hmm. And so at one point, our v- uh, VHS stopped working, or our VCR, you know, went kaput. And so I no longer had the option to watch Scooby-Doo 2002. Mm. Yeah. That's anyway, not going to talk about... Tragic. Uh, Real shame. <laughs> not going to talk about the sequel. But there was going to be a third movie. Uh, it was going to be a trilogy of Scooby-Doo films. We don't know much about the third one. Um, you know, not much has come out, but James Gunn has said a single thing about what the movie would have been. And it's just, it's wild, dude. Oh, yeah? So in a tweet, uh, I'm just going to read the tweet. Um, I'm not going to say it verbatim, but I'll I'll paraphrase. The Mystery Inc. gang are hired by Town in Scotland who complain that they're being plagued with monsters but it's revealed in the movie that these monsters are actually victims of Scooby and Shaggy, and then they have to come to terms with their own prejudices and narrow belief system. Who's they? Scooby and Shaggy. The Mystery Inc. gang have to... I don't know. I guess so they the have to... the monsters aren't really monsters. Everyone just thinks they are? Like I said, not much is known about it, um, besides this poorly worded tweet, but my understanding thanks, thanks, is man. that... <laughs> thanks, James. Uh, my understanding is that it's like kind of a setup where they have to bait and switch. It's like they're bait and switch. They come to a town to do like a classic mystery ink gang thing, but then it's revealed formula, that yeah. like the monsters are the people whose lives they've ruined through their oh shenanigans, and then they have to like deal with that baggage of oh uh-huh. look at all of this. You know, we did this, and that could have made for an interesting movie. Yeah, I don't know if I would have like wanted to go, if I was going to a Scooby Doo movie. I don't know if I want to would have wanted to been hit with that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, me too. It is. It's kind of. It's interesting that that hasn't really been covered before, though, right? The, like, yes, that's correct. Um, you were talking about once how like people have talked about how Scooby Doo lives in a. Scooby Two takes place in like a dystopian universe where there's no such thing as like insurance and like, <laughs> uh, like if you go under, then you just have to resort to. Oh me- man, like I forgot about that. I used to, to yeah, yeah. I I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, yeah, it's a weird reality where like capitalism has failed, you know, 
and you yeah. go through these towns and it's all abandoned like the entire country of the united states is yeah. is a ghost town you know there's significantly more ghost town displayed in that show than non-ghost town because i remember reading about that theory i probably saw it on like reddit or something yeah it's like it takes place after a financial collapse and that's why all the towns have no like people and nobody has any money and like scientists and museum curators have to pretend to be monsters to make a living yeah that's all i have um okay segue um talking about (laughs) scooby-doo scooby-doo is a bunch of are they how old are the scooby-doo gang they're like teenagers or are they like 20s uh, I the idea is that they're teenagers and then they're like washed out adults in the movies. Really? Okay, okay. I didn't. They were teenagers in the cartoon. I believe so. Huh. They, you know, because it was written just like throw some characters together and then give them a talking animal. But I believe the original idea was that like they're a group of friends and then Fred's just like the one with a car. So they, oh, okay. so he like they, they just the, go wait, places. The, the mystery machine is his. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> and th- and that's like a cool car for him to have. Yeah, man, don't sleep on Fred. Man's right. got style. All right. Uh anyway. So, how about this? We got Scooby-Doo is a gang of teenagers solving a mystery. Uh likewise, the crew of uh Maniac Mansion 1987 <laughs> is also a gang of teenagers solving a mystery. How's that? I like it. All right, cool. For a second uh, there, I thought your segue was just you saying segue. That probably would have been better, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, all right, so let's get a couple things out of the way. Maniac Mansion came out in 1987. It was the first graphic adventure game made by Lucasfilm Games. The worst, ah. worst ever name for a gaming company, <laughs> right? I mean, we can agree on this. Lucasfilm's Games. Yeah. Uh, so it's a mouthful. No, no surprise why they later changed it to LucasArts. They like combined mm-hmm. Skywalker Sound and something else and made LucasArts. Right. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so their first graphic adventure game. Um, and the reason I wanted to talk about it today is because in the making of this game, they created a all-new um, engine, basically. Okay. Um, and that engine was called the Script Creation Utility for Maniac Mansion, otherwise known as SCUM. Oh, no. C- yeah, <laughs> yeah, SCUM with two M's. Um, I was working that out in my head, and the horror, you you, you can't see my face, but I there was like, the right before you said it, it changed. It, it's like the shot, like, uh, never mind, I can't say that. There were the, were the... You're talking about L.A. Noir. Well, no, I was like going to, that works too. I was going to do that, say the Godfather <laughs> when he's like, they're all talking in Italian and he's just sitting at the table, like thinking about whether or not he's actually going to kill them. Yeah. Like his first ever hit or whatever. Mm-hmm. And his like eyes are just like moving back and forth, like as he's thinking. <laughs> Masterpiece. Yeah. Oh, I've um, seen, okay. The, the little tentacle guys. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen these guys before. Yeah. 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 They're totally a thing. What do you think a better name besides Lucas arts or Lucas films games would be? LucasArts? No, 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 no. Uh, okay, we gotta, we gotta think of something actually good. Yeah, something actually good. How about... Dude, how I about, don't even have a game for my own... Or a name for my own games. How right about George's own? Games? What? George's Games. <laughs> George's Games. George's This Playbox. one's George's. George's, <laughs> George's Play Place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, George Zone. Cool. Georgetown? George, George, Wait, Georgetown, Georgetown is an actual place. Georgetown Interactive. <laughs> I like George Zone. George Zone Interactive. I'm not going to lie. I've gotten kind of attached to George Zone. Is it... Is it weirder? I mean, like, most, most companies nowadays, I feel like, are, like, blank entertainment. Right. But I kind of I kind of have a, a soft spot in my heart for Blink Interactive because that's like ah. that implies that you were already a software company right. and now you're actually making now you, you moved into making games. Yeah, 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 I see what you mean. Yeah. Lucasfilms Games Interactive. And then in parentheses, George Zone. George Zone. <laughs> in short, George Zone. Okay. In um, summation. <laughs> all right, this is stupid. Uh so yeah, Scum Engine it was created specifically for Maniac Mansion, but they, mm. uh, they being Ron Gilbert and Gary Winnick, uh, wanted it to be a sort of um, an engine that they could use in the future on other games. Right. Uh, sort of give it that longevity. Um, but before we hop into that, I'll just go through some of the other utilities that were used along um, SCUM. Uh, the first one being the interpreter, which is sort of what converts the code into... Uh, what the binary, what the computer uses. That was called SPUTUM. And get this, that stands for SCUM. So acronym within an acronym are off to a great start. Cursed, yeah. SCUM Presentation Utility Trademark. Unacceptable. <laughs> Not a chance. No, do it again. Yeah, nice try. <laughs> SPUTUM. Who let them get away with that? I don't know. Um, get this, it wasn't actually trademarked. <laughs> But uh, uh, Wilmunder, the guy, uh, uh, R.N. Wilmunder, the guy in charge of it, just wanted it to be like, uh, he, he said, quote, I wanted to name it after another bodily fluid. Um, mm. and, and that they did. All their other utilities that work with Scum were uh, Spit, the font manager, Flem, character animation and clipping manager, Bile was a character <laughs> animation and scaling manager, and Assist was a later version of Bile that did the same thing the 80s man yeah that wouldn't yeah. fly today i wish it did uh, though yeah i mean it's kind of a lost era <laughs> anyway yeah maniac mansion it was initially released for the commodore 64 and the apple II computer and later had a released for ibm pc amiga atari and even the nes however yeah. that was uh rife with uh with um strife rife with strife uh, because cool. Nintendo America thought the game was inappropriate for children, um, and it was—I mean, it, it was aimed at like teenagers, but it was mostly like just goofy. It wasn't. Yeah, but that's that's uh, a running theme for Nintendo games, anyway. Right, yeah. So they had—is uh, uh, it Jalico? Jalico, the uh, Japanese no idea, game you? company to um, uh, sort of revamp it for their uh, Japanese audiences and for the NES release. Oh, so they like botched it. And, yeah, and it sucks. Right. Uh, the rooms okay. are all smaller, which, uh -huh. uh, you know, part of the thing. But one of the great, like, uh, steps that they made with this engine was the ability to have rooms that were super large and you could scroll from one end to the other, mm -hmm. uh, which was actually kind of hard to do back then uh, just because of, like, memory constraints and things like that. And so they, they just shrunk it down so all of the rooms were on one. You could just, you could see the whole room at once. There's no scrolling needed. Um the characters were all redesigned to be like this sort of like big head, small body, chibi looking thing. Uh -huh. um, they're all the background. Uh, another another thing that children can't handle proportionality. No, they cannot. Um, 
the another thing that the scum engine had allowed them to do was to um, have things going on in the background while the main game still occurs in the foreground. Okay. Um, and they just they toss that Jellico did. <laughs> Don't need it. Don't need it. Who needs it? Um, and th- probably the most egregious of all, uh, they got rid of the saving uh, feature. There's no more, <laughs> oh, no more saving the game. Instead, they reverted to the older uh, like. Um, Password systems? Password system. And Ugh. their password was over 100 characters long. No, it wasn't. It was. Um, oh. Don't ask me why. I mean, I guess because they wanted you to be able to save like, every state. Like, all of them. They just let them save. Yeah, I don't know why they got rid of it. It's Jeez. Yeah. That's awful. Uh, Yeah. That's they just one of those it. things, like, <laughs> a little bit. Like, as a kid, it's like, you quickly learn you wouldn't be able to get back your saves so you either just keep playing the game from the beginning over and over again or you just never close the game you know you just leave it running forever i I definitely had some games like that uh also you know then they trying to clean it up that's the way they botched it sort of in terms of technology but like they wanted to clean up the game make it more appropriate for children Mm -hmm. so they removed any profanity um and there was like graffiti at one point that was like just that was literally a hint for what you were supposed to do and (laughs) just took that out Right, because no graffiti. Because graffiti is wrong. It's true. Um, yeah, I, yeah, uh, and then there was also like some. And this graphic. is in the era of games where like that is like the most important thing, you know, because they don't tell you where to go. You just need the little background details. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I mean, even it's in unplayable. today's games, like that's what you're supposed to do. Like show don't tell applies in games too. Right. So, and they're just did away with the show. And didn't mm-hmm. add back the tell. Um, barely a game. Barely a game. Uh, <laughs> the graphic uh, graphic dialogue was also cut, uh, but then they left in the ability to microwave the hamster, which is sort <laughs> of like a gag that was in the original game. And okay. they, they left that in, but then they took out the line where uh, the evil professor talks about like sucking out your brains or something like that. Hmm. Um, furthermore, they removed any version of uh, nudity, which included a swimsuit calendar. Um, a classical sculpture mm-hmm. and there was like a gag where a mummy was in like a playmate pose <laughs> all of those too risque. I appreciate no I'll tell you what I do appreciate getting rid of classical art from my kids games. games yeah 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 no thank there. you yeah what are they remember at it how about we just get rid of classical art just none of it get, get rid of it. just no it's so unnecessary there's there's modern art now we can make <laughs> new art yeah yeah just make new art (laughs) (laughs) listen if you don't like the art so bad just stop looking at it yeah got him oh yeah and the final thing that sort of just kind of like kind of like takes the cake was that uh for they they you know they had to redo the scum engine a little bit to fit the nes because it was originally Mm -hmm. centered around the commodore um but it was like designed to be like cross-platform so they could okay. e- make a few modifications to it and you know make an apple II version an ibm pc version uh amiga version whatever the nes version they had made nes scum and so in the credits when it comes up it says nes scum you know this game was made with nes scum they censored that out too obviously I don't, don't know if they thought they were calling nes <laughs> scum but uh <laughs> honestly who wouldn't at this point <laughs> the george lucas just gets a call from nintendo just like why would you why would you say that (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> guys, no, no, no. Nintendo stops answering George Lucas's calls. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> just like completely ghosts him. <laughs> yeah, now that Mario movie's never gonna happen, George. <laughs> Got him. Mario X Star Wars. <laughs> Make it happen. <laughs> All right. Um, so I, I mentioned earlier that this game was a graphic adventure game which uh was sort of kind of the next iteration in adventure games following the text-based adventures like zork was maniac mansion the first one that lucas films ever or lucas arts did because i know they continued to do a lot of those following yeah yeah Yeah, it was the it was the first one scum was made for maniac mansion okay gotcha yeah yeah um it's in the name (laughs) (laughs) uh but um yeah so if we wanna, if we wanna hop in our time machine, we don't actually have to get in the time machine or the clicker. But if you just wanna like take my hand and, and imagine you're back in, uh, I don't know, 1970 something. Cool. And uh, and you're Gary Gygax, and mm-hmm. you write an interactive Lord of the Rings fanfic. Um, sure. They call it Dungeons and Dragons, and it gets. Super I think popular. about this frequently. Yeah. Um, and then it's only natural, you know, after that, a whole bunch of. Um, other paper and pencil adventure games come about using all their different systems. So uh, with the existence of these things, by the time the eighties come around and computers start ending up in people's homes, how'd that get there? Uh, (laughs) It's only natural for people to start trying to like convert their favorite paper and pencil game, adventure game into like a computer game. Right. Okay. Uh, And so we end up with these text-based adventures. Um, And I know you hate those. Um, not my favorite, but I wouldn't say I hate them. I they kind of don't like put words in my mouth. With Zork, which had like sort of one of the I don't know, maybe there were better ones, but um, uh-huh. that one always stands out in my mind as having like some of the best like text parsing and most human language. Mm, um, okay. The problem you get with a lot of them is this sort of like there's like a Venn diagram with no middle, uh, <laughs> where on one side you have um, what's called like syntax guessing, where um, it's too complex, like. You know, uh, you type push button and press button. Like, mm. which? How do you know which one to do? Yeah. Uh, or like, you know, um, is it use key in door or use key on door? You know, stuff like that. <laughs> totally. uh, and so on, on the on the other end, you have where um, instead of trying to make it where the the machine is parsing out full sentences, you just parse out single words or just two word commands, like action uh, noun, like verb noun, like that's it. Um, and then you're then you're limiting yourself. Like you can only have one person on one uh, NPC on screen at a time because, or in the scene at a time, because um, you know if I said give key to Vincent, well, I mean if I if I'm if I'm sticking with that you know verb noun schema that I mentioned, then mm-hmm. I would just have to say give key. And if I had multiple NPCs in the room, who how do I know who I'm giving it to? Yeah, I know. You know? I, I see what you mean. So you're either you're constantly either too complex or not complex enough. There's no mm-hmm. like good middle ground. Um, in fact, some some games even took this a little bit too far. Uh, and indie games often do this, where there's like an easy way to make something challenging. They just like take it to the extreme. Okay. Um, and and in that era, it was no different. It was called like syntax quests. Uh, I would say nowadays it's like key hunts, where there's like, you know, you have to find a key to unlock this door, and in that door you find the key to unlock the next door. And it's not always a key. It might be like some other like you find the bucket of water to put out the fire, and then you find. Mm-hmm. The, the you know whatever else the hedge trimmers to trim away the hedge or whatever you know each each thing unlocks another thing uh, yeah. and it's just this whole chain well um back then they kind of did the same thing but it was the syntax quests were the were the bane of uh 
adventure games in that um, most of the game's content was guessing the right syntax. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it's bad needless game to play. say, not, not the most entertaining. Required a very <laughs> niche uh, audience right. uh, to enjoy that. Um, nerds. You can say nerds. I can say nerds, uh, <laughs> but I won't. Right. Uh, anyway, uh, so the way that Scum kind of solved this was by including a list. So you just have a straight up list of 16 words on the screen to pick from. 16 verbs, you click one of them, then it gives you a list of like however many nouns and you pick one, direct object nouns. All right. Um, you never have to type in any commands, which is pretty nice. Uh, big it's like a multiple right choice direction. test. Um, later, they this was uh, adapted to um, the what, this like verb wheel concept, which uh, <laughs> whenever you mouse over an interactable object, you're... Um, uh, the wheel would appear around your mouse and it had like uh, eyes, hands, and mouth. So hmm. like if you, you know, you would click the eyes if you wanted to look at something, hands if you wanted to pick it up or press a button or something, and the mouth would be to like uh, talk to, inhale, uh, eat, you know, whatever. I um, mean, that's basically still what like Skyrim does. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was, it, you know so you can kind of see that gradual evolution from fully text-based to mm-hmm. graphics with uh, having to type, still type your commands like um, King's Quest. Uh, and then uh, scum games where they uh, you no longer have to type you you select out of a list and then eventually to the graphical uh, mount, uh, tone wheel or verb wheel or whatever it's called. So another uh, major step that um, scum made uh, aside from the controls was in the gameplay and the mm-hmm. plot. Uh, this was one of the first games to include a nonlinear plot. In which, at the start of the game, you pick two out of six possible uh, characters to accompany the main pro- protag, uh, Dave Miller. Oh. So you got a total okay. of three characters in the house at a time. Um, each character has different abilities, yeah, that's... and if one dies, you have to replace them with one of your yet unselected <laughs> characters. Um, <laughs> okay. And I think it only—I think you only get a game over if all six die. Um, I mean, that's like way ahead of its time. Yeah. Um, and there's and there's like five different endings based on you know who you choose who you chose first uh, who oh, survives cool. and what you yeah, managed yeah, yeah. to accomplish during the course of the game. Mm-hmm. So you know that's pretty cool. Um, take that Undertale. Um, Don't say that. No, they'll come for us. They probably will come for us. Yeah, I like Undertale. <laughs> um, but uh, the problem with branching paths is that like, you know, if you have a a branch, then half of your audience is going to, or all of your audience is only going to play half your game. You know what I mean? Mm. Unless they play through the yeah. game twice and look at the other branch. There's that, but there's that replayability, huh? Hopefully. Um, there's that longevity. But the, uh, the, the problem that, uh, the branches, um, <laughs> yeah, tell me the, the, well, yeah, maybe replay, maybe it's more replayable, but the branches made the game take so long that, uh, Ron Gilbert actually almost got fired. Because <laughs> uh, this game was just like dragging on, uh-huh. um, but they spent like a year of that time making Scum Engine, which is like hmm. I don't know. To me, that seems like really, really good to be able to make an entire engine in a year. Maybe it wasn't that complex back then. I don't know. But they also included maybe nobody, uh, maybe just nobody knew what they were doing back then. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, the theme for this game we've talked a lot about the gameplay itself, but the theme for this game was based around like ho- B horror movie cliches. Oh, I love that. Uh, for instance, you know, like teenagers, they go into a house, they get killed mm-hmm. off one by one, and never right. once do they think about leaving. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the story of this game was 
So good, in fact, that they eventually made a TV show about it in 1990. Okay, um, I saw that while I was Googling. I don't know anything about the TV show. It was made in Canada. There you go. It was made in Canada. Um, so you got my seal of approval, eh? Um, <laughs> but get this. The titular mansion of uh, Maniac Mansion was based off of the main house at the Skywalker Ranch. Uh, hmm. So, yeah, the creators of the game uh, just, you know, hung out at uh, one of um, old Georgie's, um, what is it, like like guest houses on his Skywalker Ranch and uh, okay. just mapped out his whole house. And so the reason they were even at uh, Skywalker Ranch uh, mapping this house is because they had already designed the game theme-wise before they had decided on a gameplay genre. Uh, which I don't want to get into this because it's not what I wanted to talk about today, but like mm-hmm. game genres are stupid. <laughs> like first person shooter, that doesn't tell you anything about the game. Right. Except that the camera's perspective and the thing that you do in the game. Like imagine yeah, if we called like an I've... action movie, if we called it like a, like a third person run and punch, you know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they had this whole like game planned out on how it was going to work and everything and the theme and like, uh, they even developed this like paper and pencil game, uh, knowing that they were going to eventually turn it into a video game. They just didn't know how the video game was going to play out, like whether it was going to be like huh. a point and click adventure or like a um, right. Like I guess Legends of Zelda had already come out, so it, I could, they could have made it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, apparently the map that they made for this paper and pencil game was looked so cool that they just included it as a poster in the final game. <laughs> uh, which is just kind of self-congratulatory you know, I guess. Yeah. yeah yeah these guys were not we're not shy to do that sort of thing mm-hmm. um, they'll pat themselves <laughs> on the back at every turn um, look look i drew this anyway oh it's so nice let's yeah. put it up on the game fridge yeah i don't know we'll get more into that in a minute but um okay so you know they're just sitting around at skywalker ranch mapping out george's house um you know, for their game, they don't really know what the mm-hmm. game is going to be like, but they know it's going to be fun. Uh, and they decided to take a break where they, uh, over Christmas, they uh, go and visit their relatives. And Ron Gilbert, uh, one of the creators, saw his cousin uh, playing King's Quest, uh, Quest for the Crown, um, on his little computer. Uh, and I've mentioned that before. It's an adventure game by Sierra Online, which was sort of a, it was a graphic adventure game, one of the first ones, but you would, um, you, you still had to enter your commands in a command line. And, okay. um, well, Gilbert just saw it and he was like, whoa, that's so cool. That's, that's like, uh, uh, you know, taking the, he, he, he was a big avid fan of text-based adventures, but he kind of knew okay. they were passe at this point, mm-hmm. uh, since computers had graphics now. And so he was thinking like, you know, he saw that and he was thinking, oh, we can do something like that, but better. So, you know, unlike us, Gilbert played through the whole game. So he would be fully knowledgeable about it the next time he saw Winnick, the other producer. <laughs> okay. But he, uh, um, and in doing so, you know, he, he got familiar with the genre and how, uh, you know, these sort of games works worked and developed the idea of the list of the, uh, the menu, you know, that you pick from. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, um, early adventure games, especially those by Sierra, were very punishing. Um, for instance, you could be punished for following everyday logic. Uh, like, like in one game, there was a shard of glass on the ground, and if you pick it up, you just like cut yourself and die. 
Um, that's like, yeah, choose your own adventure novels. Uh, yeah, just like COYOA novels, they would, you know, like, um, they could kill you for just doing anything. And uh, David Fox, one of the designers of the game, described this as, like, very sadistic. And hmm. um, he's like, obviously, I know that in real life I can pick up a shard of glass and not die. So <laughs> not just die. I'm just going to yeah. apply that to this game. I know? would hope so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, this sort of, like, aversion to uh, to death, you know, it's hard to die. There's multiple plot lines, um, you know, nonlinear storytelling. All of that put together sort of led to a challenge with eliminating no-win scenarios, and they didn't even get them all. Uh, <laughs> basically, it was po- entirely possible to get to a state where you haven't game-overed, but you can't complete the game either. Ew. Yeah, um... And they, you know, this happened so often that they were tempted to just ditch the whole idea of the multiple endings altogether and just go with one character. Um, but they didn't. They stuck it through to the end. And, um, you know, even in the release version, it's still possible to do that. They only had one playtester for <laughs> this entire game. Okay. So a lot of the dead ends were just never even caught. They're just kind of Oh, there. great. Uh-huh. Um, you know, to get a little bit more uh, variety of perspective, uh, Gilbert actually uh, mailed his uncle a copy of the game each every build or every week he sent his uncle the latest build on a floppy disk probably his least favorite uncle <laughs> i don't know i mean it's a pretty important job you're 50 percent of their I, entire playtesting well, division <laughs> it's true you know what? that's true anyway um all right let's uh let's talk let's talk scum let's talk programming i always uh, want to talk scum i'm ready <laughs> me too bro uh, Ron Gilbert, when he started programming this, he start he actually started programming it in assembly, uh, which is basically one step up from machine code, one step up from like literal like binary. Um, mm-hmm. But he did uh, very quickly decided that the game was too complex to do it that way, so um, he decided he would make an engine for it, a custom engine that could easily be reused for future games, and reused it was. Um, <laughs> Scum was later used for. Uh, more than one game a year. They're like not the the early '90s that period, uh-huh. 1990 to 19. Well, actually, up to 1997, Lucasfilm's games was releasing faster than a game a year, uh, <laughs> which is pretty impressive oh if you ask me. Yeah, um, assembly line. Um, in 1998, we saw Grim Fandango, which uh, you know Lucasfilm's made that jump into 3D, uh, and. Well, they made a new engine for their 3D games, 3D point-and-click adventures, um, and what what did they call it? But Grime. Ew. They went from Scum to Grime, and yep. at least Scum was an actual acronym. Grime is Grim Engine. Like oh, that e, sucks. R-I-M, capital E. Mm-mm. Yeah. Not allowed. Uh, yeah, thumbs down. Two thumbs down for me. Um Anyway, Grim Fandango was a great game, regardless of the trash uh, naming conventions for their engines. Uh huh. But LucasArts avi- uh, like officially ended their adventure game era in 2006 after dismissing most of the designers that worked on their graphic adventure games. Oh so, yeah, I, I remember hearing about that. Yeah, they just had like a purge of all of those 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 boys. Um, Shameful. Rip in peace to them. Anyway. Yeah. All right, I'm got a I've got a couple fun facts that I want to go through with you. Uh, Love it. Gotta have it. Gotta have it. Um, so new hires in uh, at, at LucasArts Games, LucasFilms Games, 
uh, we're often we're always put through this uh, two week training course called the Scum University, <laughs> and they were referred to yeah, as th- it never scumlets. gets better. I I figured at some wait, what did you say? Scumlets. They were referred to as scumlets while attending this Scum University. Oh come on! Yeah, I like I figured I would get used to it at some point. I didn't. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, it got worse every time. Uh, they really just couldn't get enough of their own joke. I mean, uh, <laughs> Maniac Mansion, uh, in there, there's like a, um, they mentioned a, a band, uh, called Razor and the Scumettes. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the secret of Monkey Island. I'm sure they thought they were being clever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the secret of Monkey Island has a bar called clever for uh, the, the 90s. bar, which, what? Yeah. It was clever for the nineties. I guess. Yeah. Uh, this one actually isn't that bad. In Monkey Island, there's a bar <laughs> called the Scum Bar, which later becomes the Lua Bar, following a hostile takeover in Escape from Monkey Island, uh, which was made hmm. using Lua. So a later game made using a different engine, they uh, had their bar, you know, taken over and the name right. changed to Lua, which is which is acceptable comedy, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yes, that is objectively funny. Also, in Secret of Monkey Island, the scum with two M's is listed as one of the ingredients of grog. Uh, they give you a recipe to make grog, and scum is one of the ingredients. So, you know, good on them, I guess. Uh, yeah, but now uh, nowadays scum is free and open source, so uh, get all the Go scum, scum it up. you want. Go scum yeah. it up. Yeah. Folks, that's um, the show. I hope so. <laughs> All right, look, uh, if you want to reach out to us, our email is developmentheaven at gmail.com. Also, if you like the show, let us know. You can do so via Twitter at devhevpod or by joining our Discord where you can, uh, you know, we're very active there. So, you know. Glenn, you did our intro music. That song is Bird. It's on SoundCloud, which we have linked down below in the description. Also linked are Matthew Innie and Natalie Quick. Matthew did our various logos, and Natalie did some great work on our covers, so thank you to them, and thank you to you for listening. Um, oh, that's you. Oh, hey, and leave a review or whatever. Oh, whatever. It really helps. <laughs> also, tell your friends. Oh, yeah, that's that's more important tell your right friends. now. Friends of friends. Friends of friends. Friends of friends of friends. Friends moms. Friends moms. Friends grandmas. If, you're, if your friend's dog has a youtube account or a spotify account or apple podcast be sure to make they make sure they subscribe you know that thing where you like plug in your phone listen if anybody ever hands you the aux cord we're your guys there you go. right hand, you hand know you the, uh, yeah we're your aux cord guys we're also um your air we're like guys. the, the you have to be on like a subway or something just do like apple airdrop to everyone around you mm. with the link. good call good call um, if you're an Android kind of guy, then you've got Android Beam. So just you know, turn it, turn on NFC, and then Android Beam the link, uh, and just leave that in your pocket. So whenever you brush up against somebody, it beams it to their phone. I like it. That's that's devious. Put it on the put it on the loudspeaker in a prison, in like a major prison facility. Just let them all listen. Honestly, yeah, I don't know how that would help because most of them are not don't have access to the internet other than like very limited. Hmm. Uh, but maybe well, once they get out, they you know. can tell all their friends. <laughs> yeah. One can hope.